The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is A Million Other Choices, and I am your host, Kim. Today's story is controversial, so reading the comments should be a lot of fun. As a personal aside to today's case, I'm just giving you the facts. I don't believe in murder as a solution to any problem. There are always a million other choices, as I say. However, I never said all of the million other choices were pleasant. So I'm going to tell you today's landmark case, and you can decide for yourself how you feel about it. This is the death of James Mickey Hughes. James Berlin Hughes, known by friends as Mickey, was born August 10, 1945, in McGoffin County, Kentucky. I have no idea who his father was, but his mom was named Flossie, uh, which I have to assume is short for something. And he had a couple of brothers, Dexter and Donovan. Donovan died by suicide sometime back before 1984. And that's all I really know about Mickey Hughes, which would be most unfortunate I normally seeing as he is later killed in this story. But his death is a bit overshadowed by some controversy, which I'm going to get to. There was a made-for-TV movie made about this case back in the 80s, but I didn't really rely on that as a source because, you know, movies. But I did rely fairly heavily on The New Yorker, who did an in-depth retro report on the story. A lot more is known about Mickey's wife, Francine, who was born August 17, 1947 in Stockbridge, Michigan. Her family life was strife with troubles. Her father was a farm worker, so money was very tight. He was also an alcoholic who liked to punch his wife, Francine's mom. So at age 16, after a brief courtship, she married James or Mickey, mostly to get out of the house. Mickey and Francine located themselves in Danesville, Michigan, and had four children together, Christy, James, Dana, Nicole, and Molly. Danesville is located in, in Ingram County, and in 2010, there was only 563 counted in the census, with only 206 housing units. 
once the home of defensive end of the NFL Sam Williams, who played for both the Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions. Not to be confused with the Sam Williams, who was arrested this year on drug possession charges from the Dallas Cowboys who had only a year before been in an accident and charged with driving 100 miles per hour in a 55 zone and never faced any suspensions or anything. So not that one. This Sam Williams died in 2013, but this story isn't about Sam Williams. I just like my little side facts. But you could say that Danesville is a pretty small town where everyone knows your business. But right after the marriage, they had moved into Mickey's parents' house and lived there for about a year. And then shortly after they said their I do's, while Mickey was out looking for work, Francine bought herself a cute little crop top at the Kmart. Mickey told her to take it off. He wasn't a fan, and when she told him no, that she liked the shirt, he ripped the shirt from, off of her, leaving her stunned and embarrassed in front of his family. And of course, he was super apologetic after that and said it was because he thought that she looked too good and sexy in it. Uh, he just loved her so much, blah, blah, blah. And after that... Mickey made it pretty clear that Francine was under his control and even looking at another man would get her a beating, especially if he had been drinking, which was pretty much all the time. Francine tried to leave when she discovered that she was pregnant, fleeing to her mom's place in Jackson, but her mom, with a history of being an abused spouse herself, convinced her that he just loved her and needed a man to support her, and that was a woman's place in life to put up with men's crap and other not-so-great advice. Francine told People Magazine in 1984, I bought some new clothes and he ripped them off me. I don't know whether I look too pretty or what, but he didn't want me to look that way. So she returned home to Mickey and gave birth to their first child, and they secured their own place in Danesville, settling into a little rental trailer, and things were better for a time, the classic honeymoon period. But when Mickey found out that Francine had taken the baby into town for a little outing without him or without his permission or whatever his orders were, he slapped her in front of family and friends who just kind of watched on in uncomfortable silence. Mickey had lost his job again and was grumpy and drinky again back to his old ways. Francine made excuses for him, stress, it's not easy, poor Mickey kind of stuff. And again, he was apologetic, felt ashamed of his behavior, but tinged with a bit of passive aggressiveness. I would kill myself without you kind of guilt trips to keep her under his thumb. And when things were good, they were good and everyone was happy. So another child followed. But the beatings and then the making up continued. Neighbors heard it all, but of course did nothing. Francine did what she could to try to monitor his moods and do everything that she thought that he wanted and how he wanted it done. And probably like I used to do, count the empty beer cans in the kitchen from the night before, just kind of see what kind of day it's going to be and plan accordingly. She tried leaving again and applying for welfare, but back then, if you were married, the man of the family had to apply. She tried going to the police numerous times, but they didn't ever witness the abuse, so they couldn't do anything. Abusing your wife in the 1970s was only a misdemeanor anyways, and you really couldn't be arrested for it. Maybe taken to the drunk tank to sober up, but that was kind of about it. And back then, beating your wife wasn't really a bad thing, or at least it wasn't really considered a bad thing. It was more embarrassing to be a drinker. So Mickey spent most of his money that he earned on beer. So according to her eldest son, James, who told the New Yorker, there were times when dinner would be plain popcorn and grape jelly mixed with water. 
She finally worked up the courage to file divorce proceedings in 1970 after discovering it was the only way that she was going to be able to get the social service supports that she needed to keep her kids fed and discovering that she was pregnant again. And then she was free, even though her in-laws and her own mom were trying to convince her to go back. A woman needs a man after all, you know. She should go back. It's going to be fine. He loves her, blah, 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 more bad advice stuff. And as terrified as she was of him, she did allow him to visit the kids. And each time he would beg and plead and yada, yada, yada. But when she rebuked him, good old Mickey just kept pestering her. She held her ground until Mickey had a bad car accident, like near fatal bad, leaving him with several broken bones and memory loss. And Francine, being the caring type, looked after him at his parents' house. He was in too bad of shape to be much danger to her, so she felt having her kid's dad in the picture would be good for the family. She wasn't seeing it as like a family reunion, but more as just helping the poor sap out until he could get back on his feet and into his old fighting stance. And even from his position on the couch, he was still a natterer and demander, and she waited on him hand and foot, having to balance work, three kids, and a useless husband. She decided to move him in with her and the kids, and by decide, I mean she was pretty much pushed into it by her in-laws and by Mickey. And by this time, he was back up and walking around and being a brute. And as much as she tried to remind him that they were actually divorced, he wasn't having it and the beating started again, often involving strangulation and her suffering major injuries that required medical attention and could be brought on by just about anything. Just a random word said could set him ablaze with rage. And it wasn't just physical beatings. The rapes were near a near constant thing as well. She spent many an hour hiding in closets, under beds, and basically in a constant state of fear and panic. One of his favorite things to do was rub food in her hair and to humiliate her. Pretending to be asleep was pointless. The most dangerous thing in a woman's life is a man. And the police would come and calm him down. And then again, they would tell her that they couldn't do anything without witnessing the abuse, which is ridiculous even for the 1970s that the police have to witness a crime in progress before they can do anything. Oh, wait, not all crimes, just crimes against women, not actual crimes. Those they can investigate. She threatened to leave. He threatened to kill her. But for some reason, things got better for about two years. He even let Francine apply at the local college, and Francine started to think that maybe it was all behind them. Until in 1976, Francine got a piece of mail with a grant for her to attend school. And then suddenly applying for school and going to school were two very different things. But because he didn't have to pay for it, he allowed it but complained every step of the way. She tried to leave again, but he sabotaged the car so that she couldn't go anywhere. And then, of course, things got worse again. And by this time, the kids were old enough to hear and know everything going on, but they were helpless to help their mom. They just kind of expected that one day, mom would be dead. And the police did come out one time and actually witnessed the physical abuse, but pressing charges was out of the question because her in-laws wouldn't allow it. They blamed the accident that he was in, like he was never the same after that kind of thing. And of course, the abuse had been going on long before the accident, but you know, it wasn't his fault. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So once again, she fled, and without any money or financial help, she wound up with the three kids on her mom's doorstep. Nikki came and tried to break down the door, and her mom was was so fearful of him that she let him in to take the kids from hers. And sometime before all this, a fourth child had come along. Mickey decided for a time to quit drinking and begged and pleaded again for her to come back. He also hinted that coming back to him was likely the only way she would ever see her kids again now that he had physical custody of them. So despite her misgivings and with all the pressure from her family, she returned. And on March 9, 1977, she came home from school a little bit late, and he of course beat her up, but also decided to rip up her school books and tell her that she was never going back. He tried to strangle her. Francine knew that going to school was the only way she had even a hope of ever having any kind of life without Mickey and without the constant beatings. The kids called the police when he started to beat her this time because it was a particularly rather vicious beating. But of course, when they arrived, Mickey had sat himself down on the couch like nothing had happened and the police didn't see anything concerning. I mean, what's a couple of black eyes and finger marks on your neck? I mean, that just could have been the wind or something. And he had even told one of the officers, quote, it was all over for her because they had been called out. And after they left, Mickey's drinking and foul mood continued. And he started in again, punching and kicking her until she finally relented and said she would not go back to school. So he calmed down and then demanded sex which she knew better than to say no to, even though by this point he'd made her skin crawl, but he finally fell asleep afterwards. So Francine got up, got redressed, and put the kids in the car and told them to wait. She then headed out to the shed where she grabbed a can of gas and returned to the bedroom and poured a line of gas around Mickey's bed where he was asleep in a drunken fog. She lit a match and went out to the car where the kids, of course, were freaking out and drove to the Ingman County Jail and told the desk commander she had just set fire to her home and her husband, James Mickey Hughes, had been inside asleep. Mickey was declared deceased when the firemen arrived, 
Francine freely told investigators what she had done because at the time of the murder, he had been, he had not been actively beating her. She wasn't able to claim self-defense. So she was charged with first degree murder for the planned and deliberate murder of James Mickey Hughes. Defense lawyer Aryan Gradenus took her case as legal aid and he figured the best that she was going to be able to do was plead it down to second degree. Aryan immediately connected with Francine and he realized there were a couple of things that he could use in his defense of Francine. Despite the police not ever arresting Mickey, they did write reports. And in most of the reports was stated that Mickey continued to make threats to Francine in their presence, including that he would kill her when the police left. And there were numerous reports of this kind of thing going back the whole 13 years that they had been married. People magazine reported that Francine said, quote, I really felt trapped after this, his accident. I don't know why I felt so obligated to that man, but I did. Then the real hell began. I thought, well, maybe I could kill myself. But then I thought if I'd kill myself, who's going to take care of the kids? Instead of outrage over the murder of Mickey, there was outrage that the system had let Francine down. 1977 was the height of the women's movement and the trial against Francine became a movement. It wasn't about Francine anymore. It was about women everywhere that had no options other than to just take it, die from it, or hope that the man leaves them for either another woman that would face the same problem or by death. There were others, though, that that felt very strongly that she could have left and disappeared with the kids rather than set the house and Mickey on fire. The discovery that Francine had been having an emotional affair with a man at the local college helped bolster this theory along. It was mostly the men that felt that this pointed to her guilt. Women seemed to take this fact as simply a symptom of the loneliness she must have been feeling during her ordeal. So with the public support, Aryan decided that the best course of action was to not plead innocent or even self-defense, but temporary insanity due to battered wife syndrome. Uh, She knew what she was doing was wrong, but she couldn't stop herself. And the jury was very happy to have a way of getting her out of a prison sentence. I mean, there was really not a lot of sympathy for Mickey. And after her release is when the movie The Burning Bed came out with Farrah Fawcett. It was the first time spousal abuse had ever been highlighted and shown to viewers. And I do remember when it came out, it was it was shocking and appalling to watch. Flossie, Mickey's mom, was asked by the United Press International if she would be watching the film when it came out. And she said, I did not watch it. I would not watch it. It was nothing like it was. If I had thought it would have been exactly like it happened, I still wouldn't have watched it. I was afraid I'd get angry, upset or mad. So I watched the Country Music Awards show. After the movie and the trial, society started to wake up. And the police departments around the country really did want to be able to do better for women who were being physically abused. They were tired of having their hands tied as well when it came to making these guys accountable. And the movie created calls for the Domestic Violence Awareness Week. Francine's case highlighted and brought to light some other cases of women that had been convicted of murdering their abusive husbands. But there are still a lot of people that do the why didn't they just leave thing. And I get it. There shouldn't be excuses for murder. But if you consider that that the most dangerous time for a woman and even a woman that hasn't been physically abused up to that point is when she leaves the relationship in the three to four months following that. 
So inspired by the burning bed syndrome, eight women of the Framington Correctional Facility for Women in Massachusetts, known as the Framington Eight, were each serving time for having killed a husband, ex-husband, boyfriend, or a lover. All had been abused. They all asked that their sentences be commuted due to the system depriving them of their rights, such as by not being able to file restraining orders. Seven of them were freed by the former governor, William Weld. In response to the death of James Mickey Hughes, there has been the building of domestic abuse shelters and changes to laws and police enforcement that no longer does an abused person have to formally file charges. The police will do it for them. A person killing their abuser is still a pretty rare event. In far more cases, the abuser is the one that walks away alive. It wasn't until 1994, though, that Congress passed the Violence Against Women Act, which provided a hotline and forced all states to enforce protection orders and training for law enforcement agencies. Francine Hughes died on on Wednesday, March 22, 2017, in Alabama at the age of 69. She had remarried and relocated to Tennessee by 1984 and changed her last name to Wilson. Very few people knew who she was and what she had done in 1977. A GoFundMe page was started by her friend Christy Holland to pay for funeral expenses. In Canada, just over 100,000 adults, 79% of them women, reported had been physically abused by a partner. And now that's reported cases. Self-reporting adults' stats are that 44% of women have experienced some kind of abuse by a partner. Women relative to men were considerably more likely to have experienced the most severe forms of intimate partner violence in their lifetime, which included being made to perform sex acts that they didn't want to, being confined or locked in a room or other space, being forced to have sex, being choked, and having harm or threats of harm directed towards their pets. Women are also more likely to report feeling afraid of their intimate partner than a man where there's abuse present. The stats are even worse for Indigenous women at 61% reporting experiencing abuse. 80% of people killed by their spouse remain to be women. And that was the murder of James Mickey Hughes. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I hope that you're going to join me again next week in the rest of this season for more controversial cases. In the meantime, continue to spread the word. I'm still doing the exclusive and ad-free content if you want to subscribe to that, which you can do for as little as $1 by clicking on the link in the show notes and cancel any time that you see fit. And thank you so much for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.